0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 104, Hella Bass Bass Fishing Podcast. Today, deep dive Lake Chickamauga Giants with Caleb Bell from Bass Quest. Digging in on Chickamauga, previewing the Bass Smash Elite Series, talking a little bit of fancy fishing and how to catch big bass on a pressured fishery in the spring in the southeast. Tons of juice dropped tonight. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. If you get a chance, if you can hit the thumbs up, leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast, that would mean a ton to me. And as always, enjoy the episode. This week, the Hellabass Bass Bass Fishing Podcast is brought to you by Arsenal Fishing. Arsenal Fishing offers premium custom made performance apparel and tackle. Arsenal delivers a wide variety of custom designed baits, accessories, and tools, along with unique utilitarian apparel for all outdoor enthusiasts. As part of their support, you can use code hellabass 15 to save 15% on all purchases at arsenalfishing.com to support the show. Now let's get back to helping you catch more bass and suck less. All right everybody. back with another hella bass live. another good week, another fun night on our non-normal backup night. Thursday night live. <laughs> work, stupid work getting in the way, cutting off my Wednesday nights. so now we're on top of a couple other shows tonight like Jig Squad and a few other peoples. But the show must go on. The hella fans require us to go. Uh, <laughs> so Darius is here. Patty, John, Scott. What's up, everybody? Oh, How do we yeah, sound? Chiming in. Yeah. Uh, so what's up, Caleb? How are you tonight? Doing good, doing good. Just got off a roof, doing some work. Yeah? Is that like roofing or... like? Oh, yeah. Today I
1: was. Yeah, I was up installing some some standing seam metal on a house.
0: Nice. Got me a good sunburn to show for it. <laughs> Nothing new to report on the new boat that hopefully, but still on the way, hopefully. <laughs> Is that, a, is that, a, is that a, a question mark? Sound great? Do we, John? You let us know. Um, I assume we do, easy. All right, Mike. So hopefully, yes. We're hopefully going to drop some knowledge tonight. And uh, I guess we got a new emoji. We got a little juice emoji for the members. So if you guys think Caleb or I dropped some juice tonight, let's, let's test out that new juice emoji tonight. I like it. I like it. But before we get too far... Just want to mention, thanks Arsenal Fishing for supporting the stream, um, and they're also supporting some giveaway stuff. I got a few things over here tonight that we'll uh, maybe dabble in or look at just a quick glance. But we'll we'll do a giveaway a little later tonight. And uh, thanks to Arsenal Fishing for that. Ooh, got Billy Cole. Shouldn't you be getting ready for a BFL, buddy, on Smith Mountain? Uh, all right, he says autocorrect. All right, good deal. So let's see. So that will be coming up. Um, tonight we're going to talk a little bit. So Caleb lives really near the shores of Lake Chickamauga, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Yep, about six minutes away. There you go. So it is not coincidental that I had Caleb on the week before the Elite Series on <laughs> uh, Chickamauga. So that's definitely part of it. My fantasy column is due tomorrow for Bassmaster.com. So this is also for me to get some last-minute insights on how I'm going to build the fantasy team to hopefully dominate uh, the bass pundits and share with you guys as well.
1: Yeah, spoiler alert: John Cox is going to do well. He <laughs> always does well here.
0: Ned's ooh, gross. What's up, Robert? Yeah, so that that's kind of the, and then we're going to talk a little bit of everything. I think uh, bass uh, bass quest, Caleb. Uh, fishes all around that area. So we'll probably talk about some other lakes for some of you that maybe fish in the southeast. I think you'll learn some stuff. We'll probably talk a lot about uh pre-spawn bass fishing in the southeast and get into all kinds of things. I've listened to Caleb on a few other streams. He's got some sneaky stuff up to his his sleeves. He likes to do some unique things. Absolutely we'll get into. Absolutely. Yeah, I was at the Wisconsin Dells area for work and it was it was lame and it was cold and rainy and snowy just like it was here in Minnesota. <laughs> All right, all right, cool. So that's going to be, so I guess, I don't know, give us a little background, Caleb, like what? uh... Yeah, so I've grown up around this area. Chickamauga has been my home lake since I was
1: a, you know, a kid in diapers, basically. Mm -hmm. And I've got to see it go through the time of suckage, you know, like it was, it was pretty crummy lake. Um, in our whole area of, you know, Watts Bar was known as a really good lake. Nickajack right below mm-hmm. Chickamauga was known as a really good lake. Chickamauga was like where you went to catch numbers of small fish. And then of course we had TWRA start their stocking program. And there was a kind of a combination of things, you know, our, our water quality improved. We had grass that came back in the lake cause it was killed out there in the eighties. And then you had all these Florida strains creating F1 hybrids and the rest is history. You know, in a pretty short amount of time, within a decade, it went from being, you know, one of the lowest on the totem pole of the, you know, Tennessee River Lakes to being kind of the gem. And now we're seeing another fall on it. You know, it's, it's definitely peaked out and it's working down the other side now. So hopefully it doesn't bottom out again hopefully it's just a oh, yeah. whoa, but i don't think it will bottom out because we still have the genetics you know they're they're doing some things with the program they're still really big fish in the lake and they're being caught but um it's getting hammered so bad the last few years that i can see an incremental change you know i mean let's see here two years ago we had i think we had 128 fish that were caught over 10 pounds um last year we had like 50 something and this year I mean, we're on pace to be less than that again. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. So it's just like the, the size, we're not catching those. Oh, somebody asked about F1 hybrid. Yeah, so an F1 hybrid is a first-generation cross between a Florida strain bass and a northern strain bass. So when they get together and they pair up, it creates what's called the F1 hybrid. Those are going to be your fastest-growing Um, biggest fish and you're like that's the ones you're seeing share lunkers brought in in texas you know these giant fish in mexico it's the f1s now f2s f3s they're still doing research on that so once you get past that first generation they don't know exactly how that's carrying out past that point but stocking f1 hybrids is the way to go you know i think a lot of states now are getting away from stocking florida strain fish because they're really susceptible to the cold Mm -hmm. and so if you get that northern strain in there you get the best of both worlds you get one a fish that lives a lot longer than 10 years right so it's going to grow as fast as a florida strain fish but it's going to live to be as old as a northern strain fish so then the 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 sky's the limit that's why you're seeing 14 to 17 pound
0: fish being caught in texas yeah and they're less temperamental less affected by cold fronts so they feed more year round right like they don't go into a shell every time you know you get a little fart yeah to go exactly through. exactly and they're a little more aggressive i think too, yes right? that's
1: what i've heard you know a lot of a lot of places call them like tiger bass and stuff they're just you know some of those are you know considered more aggressive as well but yeah that's what that's what grows those big girls around here but anyway, so, maybe- so that, that's my story is i've just <clears throat> grown up fishing this lake and you know i've got better at it over the years so i mean it's just one of those things i usually catch several big fish out of that lake but to be honest it's not even one of my favorite lakes around you know i prefer some of the other lakes around here that i think are better overall fisheries you know i can go to chickamauga tomorrow and i might drop 25 pounds but i might come in and not even have a limit or have you know 12 or 13 pounds whereas i can go to a lake like nickajack and go down there and catch, you know, very consistently 18 to 20 pounds down there. So to me, that, that is the measure for me of what a good lake is, but I love the trophy hunt. You know, I'm a guy that gets out there and throws 10 inch glide baits, you know, 10 inch mag drafts. I just, you wouldn't believe some of the stuff I throw uh, out there and I like to hunt those bigger than average fish.
0: Very cool. we got, we got a few swim bait heads that like to uh, hang out in the chat here. So we might have to, to dabble in that if the question is oh, yeah. going that way at some point. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting because, uh, yeah, Chickamauga still has – it's probably still one of the best lakes on the Tennessee to catch a giant. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Even though it's not as good as it was two years ago. Um,
1: and you know, definitely not as good as it was five years ago. But right. But, I tell people that, you know, a lot of a lot of guys see my videos and they'll message me in advance of coming on a trip and I'll tell them, like, you know, go out there and fish your heart and soul out for three days and you'll probably have a good day. You know what I mean? It's like you just got to put your nose down to the grindstone and go after them. But it's a very diverse fishery, too. That's one thing that people don't really realize. And I think that's why, you know, our our local pros around here are some of the best in the world. You got Jacob Wheeler, you got Andy Morgan, you got Michael Neal, um, <clears throat> name a few, Buddy, Buddy Gross, right? some of our local anglers around here are some of the best in the world. And I think that's because of we, we have one, we have tough fisheries because they're heavily pressured and two, they're very diverse. You know, just on Chickamauga alone, I can go in there and I can fish major creeks that fish like a lake, right? Mm -hmm. It's almost like a lake all unto itself. It has its own residential fish that slide in and out of there. It has, you know, stump flats, shell beds, um, rock points. It has, a uh, you know, bluff walls and stuff like that. But then you get out main lake, you got main lake grass, you got grass in the creeks. You know, you can go and flip punching creeks. You can flip main lake. Um, it, it's just, it's wild and it's up and down, you know, it does raise and lower. If you go all the way up to the headwaters of the river, you have a tail race. You know, a lot of guys don't get to experience that when you're sitting there drifting in four to six mile an hour current and catching big smallmouth and largemouth that'll sit out in it. I mean, it's, it's, It's really interesting the way this lake puts together, and it's hard to know on any given day what is going to be the winning tournament. I think that's the hardest thing. You know, Mm -hmm. these guys are used to coming, like the Bassmaster Elite Series and stuff. They're used to coming here in what, like late May, June, uh, right at the start of ledge season. But I'm really curious to see what they do with this because it's obvious what's happening there. You're going to have, you know, offshore fish in major creeks. You're going to have offshore fish on main river ledges, right? Ledge fishing. It's completely throw that out the window for this because these fish can go from sitting in seven or eight foot on a flat and then they decide to slide up to the flat to get ready. Well, that flat could be 400 yards long. So you find fish in one spot one day and they could be, you know, in a different zip code by the next day and that's what we see a lot in pre-spawn is like when i get out this time of year i'm covering so much water i'm I'm hitting so many spots you know i'll have and i'm looking for groups of fish so i'll fish 40 different spots that would have a group of fish on it to get lucky and be really cool for 45 minutes and catch fish on every cast right so these guys not having that prior knowledge and trying to actually locate these fish and stay with them
0: That could be super difficult. Yeah. So, just to give people perspective, we talked a little bit uh, before we came on live. What is, where are we at? What is the water temp? What's the water level? Yeah. So, I think this past weekend, like, what what did you see and where are we at and where, and like, what do you, and then we'll talk about what do we think is going to happen going into next week. So, we're
1: in what I would consider late pre spawn here. Um, for one the water is on the rise that's the biggest thing when you're on a tennessee river or any river system where they adjust the water up and down what you'll notice is a lot of the biggest fish yes they do go on bed first but those females they've trained themselves not to go on bed until they won't slide up until that water stabilizes so while it's on the rise they're just going to be staging they're going to be sliding up with it they're going to be sliding back into creeks they're going to be sliding up on the flats and they're going to follow it up and so you have to kind of Gauge that. If the water falls, even six inches, you got to pull back out with it. So it's like you got to be paying major attention to water level right now. Two uh, water temps, you know, we're already right there as far as water temp goes. High 50s, low 60s. So, you know, most guys that would pull up to the lake and they see that, they're immediately running into, you know, the backs of pockets, the backs of, you know, secondary areas and creeks trying to find those fish up on main lake flats. And what you'll find is a lot of males there. The males, you know, they're dumb, They're boys, whatever. They're going to get up there and start kicking out beds. And I was telling you a a minute ago, you know, I was in Chester Frost the other day and there was like bed fish. And then you come back the next day and where they had beds was dry ground because they dropped the water again. And so the females are nowhere near that. They're sitting off. They're Mm -hmm. sitting in 10 to 12. So it's going to be, I think that's kind of a, it's going to be a difficult thing that the guys are going to have to get it in their brain, you know, like getting that mindset of where are the females right now because just going in there and pulling into an area and catching 40 fish on a shaky head is not going to help you when the females are sitting you know 20 yeah. yards
0: behind you when you bring in nine to 11 pounds and get your teeth exactly, kicked in. exactly. <laughs> uh, exactly. so is there a magical <laughs> water height or like a level or do they just need to know that it's like can they sense it's going to fall, or what do you think? Like, yeah, so they, they'll follow
1: it right out. Um, and I think, I think what it is is those fish can sense like the current changes and stuff like that. Because right. you'll see it in the creeks and stuff when they're pushing a lot of water, you can feel an influx in the creeks right. when they're taking it out. It's coming out, and and I think they just sense that. You know, it's that's their environment that they live in. It's constantly getting yanked up and down. We have a lot of, uh, you know, throughout the winter into the early spring, we have a lot of thunderstorms and stuff. So that water will go from being six and a half foot low to three and a half foot high. So like a 10 foot difference and right back down, yanked it down in, you know, five days and then phew, it's on its way back up again because of another storm. Um, so that, <clears throat> it's very rare that I see um, groups of especially bigger fish and females that spawn before that water stabilizes and, you know, especially upriver. that's why John Cox is so dang good on this lake is because he's a river rat, he's a fisherman, you know, he's a river fisherman, he gets up there up on the north side of the lake, and you've got these really steep channel edges, and then you've got really shallow backwaters, so what does that mean, it means that there's no way those fish can pull up into any spawning area until the water crests, so down river, <clears throat> you might have a wave or two that hits right before it peaks out, and what happens is a lot of these big fish will go on bed, And then the water will raise a foot on them and then they're no longer visible. You can't sight fish for them. So I spend a lot of my time blind casting in spawning areas um, that way, but John, he understands that. And so he gets up in those areas right as the water crests, And that's why you see him when it's like a a May tournament on Chickamauga or late April, dude, that dude's going to win it every time because he can get up there in those backwaters up above Dayton and stuff and just like, I've been up there and you could walk across six to seven pounders on beds. It's ridiculous when they decide to make the, the push.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So if you guys are enjoying this, just a reminder, hit that thumbs up. I always appreciate it. Um, Chris, for sure. Same here in Minnesota. We were like, a couple weeks ago, it was like 60s, 70s, 50s. Things were melting and now we're like stuck in this like week of 20s and 40s and snow and rain it's just... <clears throat> I'm looking here at one of the comments, uh, critical
1: gravy, it looks like. Water quality, color, muddy, if so, how fast can it clear? That's a really important question as well that these guys are going to have to factor in. None of our uh, backwaters are created equal. So Some of the major deep creeks, like you're talking Sale Creek, Chester Frost, um, even Richland Creek, Those creeks, and Soddy Creek especially, they will clear very fast. If we get it, say, tomorrow we get three inches of rain, they'll get muddy faster than everywhere. They'll have mud lines and current breaks that you can fish, and they will clean up faster. Shallow creeks like Grasshopper, uh, Possum Creek, um, and some of the other ones, they take a lot longer to clean up. Another thing that we have to factor in is we have the Hiawassee River runs into Chickamauga right below Dayton there and the Hawassi river, it runs from a a big flat area that runs to the Smoky mountains. It's got a ton of farm communities up there. That water will run out very muddy and stay muddy for a long time. And so what you'll see is like the East side of the lake below that will be blown out for a long time. Whereas the West side of the lake will remain very fishable. So it's like, you got to factor all that stuff in and think about it. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a puzzle especially this time of the year because the weather is volatile. I mean, you could go out there and find some fish on flats, but if you get a 20-mile-an-hour south wind, it'll push four-foot rollers on top of that and blow it out on you in 10 minutes. So then you got to scrap that plan and go on to something else, you know.
0: Let's take a peek at the, the weather since you brought it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, come on. All right. So well, let's do, it. yeah. So, as you mentioned, the water temps are upper 50s, lower 60s. So they're right yeah. there. And we're yeah. going to have pretty stable. It's not yeah, really, I mean, it's kind of warming, but not really warming. No, that's um, perfect.
1: That's perfect. That's what we typically see this time of year.
0: And it looks like they're right. going to get some wind, which is usually good, right? Because, uh, I mean, yep. it's probably yeah, not going on now. So, for the pre spawn guys, right? The staging fish,
1: yep. Yeah. You
0: know, five, 10, 15 is perfect, right? I mean, like that's yeah. going to give you that's going to put them on that reaction bite and, yeah. uh, you know, no crazy rain. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. So it kind of some, I mean, I look at this and you correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm seeing like go pre spawn anglers. Like there will be some bed fish mm-hmm. caught and probably some big ones caught, but I think people will have to build a pre-spawn around with a couple key betters.
1: Yeah, it could, it could very well be that some guys bed fish, but I think most of the guys are going to just based on water level alone, I think most of the fish that are going to be on bed and catchable at, in, in any way are going to be uh, males. And the ones that are caught on bed, you would never know that you're bed fishing because right. the water is going to be slowly increasing and in level that whole time. So when those fish slide up to go on bed, by the time you get over there in the afternoon to uh, try to sight fish that fish, it's going to be a foot deeper. And in our water clarity that we have, it's going to be invisible to you. So that's why you get out on these, you know, stump flats and, and fish targets. The guys that are good with live scope that can sit there and live scope around these stump flats in the backs of creeks and stuff are going to have a really good shot. Waters. yeah exactly exactly (laughs) they'll be able to uh if if they're patient enough they'll be able to catch really big fish on live scope that are actually on bed but are invisible to you know they'll probably be in anywhere from five to seven foot most of the really big fish on this lake year round um, live less than 12 foot you know a lot of your above average fish you know you see a lot of ledge fish get caught that are between four and about eight pounds but your true giants, you know, from what I've seen, I don't I don't think they really get much more, you know, than 12 foot or so. Mm-hmm. They slide back into creeks and stuff even during the summertime.
0: Yeah, Sean. He's going to be there the week after. That sounds like it's going to be pretty good fishing the week after they're there. Like that. The week so. after
1: is the week that I would come. You know, if you want to come and have a lot of fun, uh, you're going to have a ton of fish moving up. It's a great time to just get in the creeks, pick up if you want to catch the biggest fish of your life, I, every year I catch giants on just a, a little eighth ounce shaky head or 16th ounce shaky head with a little worm. Start fishing targets that you can barely see on these flats and stuff. and you'll flip to one of them, catch a two pounder and do that ten times. And you'll flip to one, and you'll set the hook and then you won't be able to move it. It'll be a you know nine or ten pounder. Sounds
0: awesome. Oh, so we talked about the water, temp, the forecast. And so is, is the, have you looked as the, is it a, does it have a pretty, I mean, does Chickamauga have a pretty good forecast? Does it look like it's on a slow rise? Like we don't. Yes. Know. Yeah. We're on a, we're on a
1: schedule that we have that it's a loose schedule, obviously. So influxes of rain can affect it. But what they'll do is they have a guideline. They have a guide. So at a certain mm-hmm. month, this water is going to go down. And at a certain month, it's going to go up. So no matter what happens in between there, it happens every year. We'll have the you know a rain right before the end of March, and guys are like, I think they'll just leave it up this year. And I'm like, no, they're going to yank it back down to whatever level it's supposed to be, whether it's supposed to be at you know 676 right now. They'll bring it, bring it back down there. If it's supposed to be at 679, they'll bring it to there, and then they'll
0: gradually bring so it So they up. have a schedule they're trying to stick to, basically. Correct.
1: And if you go to uh, TWRA.com, mm-hmm um or tba.com you know slash chickamauga it'll bring up it'll shows you the current release schedule so you can see how much current is running which is that's really important to know if you're fishing main lake you know if you're seeing you know higher levels of current then those fish are going to be on the outsides of those flats lower amounts of current a lot of times they'll slide in further on the flats and stuff like that so there's there's a lot to think about there it can also affect where fish sit in creeks because again or secondary channels on flats you know, because depending on the amount of current, this water might be pushing back or it might just be flowing over the whole flat as a whole. And so you have to constantly be I, I have that app. It's safe on my phone is like one of my favorites yeah. all the time. I'm, I'm constantly glued to that screen if I'm anywhere on the Tennessee River. <laughs>
0: Crickle Gravy says uh the, the Watuga flows the TV. He so said you should see some mud in a week, according to him. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Very nice. Very nice.
0: Um, you kind of mentioned tail races a little bit. And that is yeah. something for whatever reason I see more at like Pickwick and Wilson yeah. and some of those. You don't typically hear it at like Chickamauga and Gunnersville and some of those. Is yeah. it because it's the wrong time of year? Is it because it's not as good there? Is it what is your it's cuz people keep their mouth shut. <laughs> a lot I mean of it doesn't seem won... like it shows up in turn I mean it doesn't seem like it shows up in national tournaments I guess yeah. or is that just it's because it's a not lot getting of, coverage a lot of or... local derbies like
1: if you if if any and that's one thing too you know like right now if the lake is fishing tough just about any given time you can pull into a tail race and have a good shot. The reason why you don't see it a lot on the big tournaments is because they don't come to our lakes at a time that is conducive to that. So this time of the year, we're we're running more water and it's cooler. The tail race bite is much better overall. Whereas if it's, you know, if they're coming in June, May, June, something like that, then what you're seeing is you're seeing a lot of like ledge fish that are pulled out into those areas anyway. And they're not running as much current from the dam and it's not constant. You know, it'll start out at 10,000 gallons per minute or whatever. And then it'll push to maybe 40 or 50,000 gallons per minute towards the end of the day. It's not as conducive to the uh, tail race fishing. Whereas right now, when they're running pretty stable amounts of current out of there, especially if they bump it up, you know, if you start seeing, you know, uh, water coming out of Watch Bar at sixty thousand, eighty thousand, that means that you can go up there probably catch a twenty pound bag of smallmouth. You're only going to be able to keep one, but there's plenty of gigantic largemouth and spotted bass that live up there. So I mean. If the lake is fishing really tough overall and you're struggling to catch 15 pounds down lake, you're almost guaranteed if you run up to a tail raise that you should have you know between 15 18 maybe even 20 pounds so it can be a huge difference maker in these early tournaments when things get tough you know if, if a cold front punches these fish in the mouth right before this if a big influx of rain comes blows out a lot of the creeks. You can look for guys that if someone did that, they would have a really good shot at winning the tournament um, because they wouldn't be subjected to that lower or that, you know, tougher bite down there. Because one thing, cold fronts do not affect tail race fish. You know, that water is pumping out at a lot of current and a lot of speed from a hundred and something foot on the other side of that dam. Right. So it's highly oxygenated. It's one temperature they don't get slowed down by that. So that's why you'll see me a lot of times if, if our fish get tough in the winter time, we have a really bad cold front. I'll hit it on the front edge of the leading edge of the cold front. I'll be out there trying to catch big fish, right, as it's coming in low pressure. The next day, my butt's going to be in a tail race if I'm fishing.
0: But it's calling for rain on, what, Tuesday, Wednesday? Correct. So that could set up for somebody to do something sneaky the first mm-hmm. day or two. It's probably not something that's going to last you four days, but it could open the door for something. Correct. Like correct.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. That's going to be the hard thing is to, you know, you would have to combine that with a strategy further down river. There's plenty of places, you know, local guys could do it that I know of that you could slip into some of these lesser known backwaters up there and uh, pull into some big large mouths. So, I mean, think about that. Like as, As tough as the lake is right now, like our CBA weights, usually in March, you know, between February and March, you'll see CBA weights, you know, the winning weight will be 30-plus pounds for five, right? We haven't seen a bag over 25 pounds weighed in the CBAs this year. So, overall, weights are really low, and tournament weights have been very top-heavy. So, you have a couple guys that will do, you know, fairly well, and then, you know, like 14 pounds is getting paid kind of deal. Hmm which is unheard of for our lake. So that that's one thing to think about is like getting in those sneaky areas. So at that point, if you were able to go up in the tail race and catch a five pound smallmouth, that's a huge, like that's a kicker fish, right? Right. That's fishing that tough. So then you get that kicker smallmouth, you run down, you hit some uh, Creek mouse, you go back into a couple of these little backwaters there, you cobble together, you know, some three pounders to go with it. And then all of a sudden you're sitting there top 10 easy. You know
0: what I mean? Nice. Yeah. So I mean I kind of that kinda sounds like something like Steve Kennedy doing something sneaky yeah. type.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it could, I mean, it, we're right at the cusp to where I feel like it could pop off any day. Right. So I'm really uh, you know, like on one hand, I'm wondering if it's gonna be as tough as it has been, because like our local guys here are hammers, and some right. of these pros actually fish some of these local tournaments. Everybody's been getting their butt kicked. Like, there was four decent limits weighed in at the CBA last weekend, like between 16 and 20 pounds, and they all came from Nickajack. All those guys locked through to Nickajack. Which I don't think Jack. is allowed in the elites. I don't think they're allowed to lock No, down. no, they're not. But that just shows you if, if if our anglers that are locals and they're good and confident on this lake, if if, like, they're going down and having to lock through to catch a decent limit of fish, you know, I wonder if it's going to continue that trend or – If uh, they're going to just kind of these fish are going to kind of commit up there since the water levels are rising and kind of get on the plastics and stuff because they were on kind of a finesse bite where you could just go into a creek and catch 20, 30 fish on a shaky head. And you'd have, you know, if you caught 20 or 30, you're going to have four or five decent ones, you know, somewhere between two and a half and four and a half pounds. So, to me, that's decent, and then you always have the chance of a rogue giant mixed into there. So, you're going to have bags that look like that, where it's several average fish, kind of like Florida bags, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, you get a seven or eight, and all of a sudden, you
0: got a 22-pound bag, right? Like.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, 10 pounds of it is the one fish, and then, you know, four for
0: 12.
1: Yeah. Um, so, I'm curious. I mean, it could pop off. And these could be some pretty decent bags weighed in. But if it's fishing the way it has, I mean, somebody with an average of 15 pounds a day is going to do really well in this tournament.
0: So, like, if it continues, like, we're talking, like, 80 pounds for somebody that really gets on them, but, like, somebody could make the day <laughs> like, You know, I don't even know 80 pounds, pounds because religion. I feel like, so –
1: Chickamauga is Chickamauga, right? right. There's going to be big bags caught. But what you're going to see is what you see in a lot of other tournaments. Is like this guy went out first day. He had 26 pounds. All right. The next day he has 14. And then somebody else has 24 pounds. And then, you know, the day before they had 15. It's going to be those kind of looking bags. You're not going to see anyone. I don't think you're going to mm-hmm. see someone go wire to wire with over 20-pound bags in this tournament. There's no way. But they might have one big bag
0: that averages Uh, out. Illusions of the 100-pound bag, 100-pound winning weight, put that out of your Mm -hmm. mind? Like 0% or almost 0%?
1: I'll say 0%. Okay. 0% on this lake, the way it's fishing now.
0: So you would Uh, be shocked if somebody – And really
1: the way it's been fishing for two years. I mean, we haven't seen any bags over, you know, like, 40 pounds like when we, when we were seeing bags over 40 pounds when the elites would come here you'd see guys get close to the century mark but if if you're seeing local guys that can't pull together 20 pounds that you know two years ago we're pulling together 40 35 you know on these cba tournaments i mean hey like three or four years ago if you pulled into the cbas you know 100 boats in the tournament say probably more than that 150 or whatever and you didn't have 30 pounds in your boat you weren't even in the top 20. That's how good the lake was fishing. But it's right. completely different than that now. So I don't I don't look to see I, I look to see someone with a 15 pound average does well over four days, and then someone with an 18 pound average over four days wins it. Do You think like somewhere between 70 and 80 wins it? Yeah. Okay. yeah. But it'll be there'll be big bags caught but it'll, you won't be able to to go wire to wire seven pounds
0: and follow it up with four fish for eight pounds the next day. (laughs) Yeah.
1: If if somebody came on there and I saw that they had between 15 and 17 pounds per day or 15 to 18 pounds per day, and were that consistent through the four days, I would be really, like, to me, that's one of the better anglers out
0: there. Hmm. Interesting. So I always hear about the springs on Chickamauga. Yes. So tell us I, about the spring I personally is that know of this?
1: almost 50 now that I have marked. Okay. Well, that's a huge thing um, this time of year, but it's going away. So like, think about this. So a spring it's geothermal heat, right? That water is coming out at a constant temperature. So when is a spring going to be at its best? It's at the extremes of the year, the heat of summer and the coldest part of winter. Whenever that spring is pumping out water at those times, it has the greatest drawing power. But the the one thing that's nice about a spring even year round is you can find the ones that are wet weather springs and the ones that constantly flow, right? A spring that constantly flows has its own ecosystem around it. it. It'll keep good grass around there year round. Um, it'll keep a lot of other small fish you know every kind of bait fish you can think of there'll be gizzard shad threadfin shad shiners all kinds of panfish species and so those are natural draws for big fish but what you'll see is the more extreme the temperatures in the water around the spring the tighter the fish will get to it and the less extreme it is the more they'll kind of float but be around the general area right so Mm -hmm. springs could play especially if you know, we're talking about this rain coming in early in the week. If that rain hits and we get a good two inches or so, those springs will really start to kind of open up and flow. And that'll be your, your best time. You know, the guys that find those springs and can get back there and get on them, if there's not a local already on them, um, like Thursday and Friday, will do well on those. But that bite will kind of dissipate. They'll notice those fish start to really spread out from it after about day three right. after that influx of rain. But that's a huge, huge thing, you know, finding springs. And there's a ton of them on the lake. And that's one thing that we do, you know, a lot of times is, is you know, you can could, you could make a living off of just fishing those springs. If you can run them and, and get a good lineup together, um, you can really run. And I, one of the funny things is that really small springs for me have, have become something that I focus on. Like the, the really big ones that you see, a lot of times they draw bigger predatory fish like striper. And stuff like that to them and sometimes those can push out the bass and then also they'll, they'll draw in large groups of bass so you might have a spring that's got you know you might catch 20 or 30 fish off of it but most of them are three four maybe five pounds right whereas that one spring that's just the size of the hood of your truck you throw that big swim bed across there and you're liable to have a monster on mm-hmm. the small ones and that they'll be grouped up you know like a lot of times, guys are like, "Oh, have you been to that spring in the back of Possum Creek?" Well, it's not one; it's four. And I know I have each one of them marked, and the two smallest ones are where I've caught my biggest fish out of those springs. It's every how you, time.
0: How, how do you find springs? Is it a visual thing? Is it a like, yeah? What? So
1: it, it's that's a really interesting point too. So if you have a big influx, so say I'm on the water right now and we get just a ton of rain but the water's not muddy yet the one of the most interesting things is you'll actually see dirty water begin to push out of the spring before the lake muddies up Hmm. so it'll actually it'll push out dirty water first and that's one of the best times to be around it because it's a natural mud line right and the fish are sitting in that mud line and so they're more susceptible to reaction baits because they can't see anything in there right so that's my favorite time to hit it is when it's pushing out dirty water. The next phase is you have dirty water that's come in and it begins to push out clean water. Those, those are the most obvious points and that's when most people find a spring. It's because you got this blue hole in the middle of a yoo portion of the lake, right? And so that's the portion that you see and, and people will find that spring there. Um, The next phase and how I found most of the better springs that I found on the lake are offshore springs, you know, anywhere from the middle of the main river all the way to the back, back, back of a a creek side scan. They'll show up as an indentation as a hole, And most of the time you'll see grass around that. And that's just an obvious indication right away. You can see hard bottom too right around that hole. And then you'll see that grass around, and you know that that's most likely a spring, and you can kind of go over there. Um, Somebody asked how deep a spring is. So if we're talking about the actual layer, so say this is the bottom of the lake, and we're talking about depth beyond that point. Some of your big springs, can I've seen springs up to 20 feet deep, you know, from the actual lake bottom to where the base of the spring is. Um, I've seen, I guess the average, I would say, is about maybe six six feet or so you know of indentation some of the best springs i've found however are only three to four feet you know it's it's not a huge and it's not very abrupt it doesn't have hard sides on it and those have been some of the best ones to catch really big fish because at that point then you have that trophy class mentality that's a an area that an you know a giant fish can lock down a trophy fish sure. can lock down and make their domain
0: but I assume you find some springs in the back of pockets and a couple feet and you're finding them out to 20, 30 feet. In, yeah. Yeah.
1: Everywhere yeah. Everywhere. I've got springs that I fish that are, you know, the boat will be sitting in 20 foot of water and I'm throwing into 28. I've got springs that you can actually see run off the bank into the water, you know? So it's a, a whole lot of uh, difference in between there, but it's always worthwhile if you're, you're around any kind of moving water and especially around the south you know we have a limestone um, kind of base to all our mountains and stuff that's why we have some of the best caving or spelunking Mm -hmm. in the world you know around this area in the southeast is because all the limestone caverns well that translates immediately into any kind of your lakes Mm -hmm. whether it's the highland reservoir down the street whether it's the tennessee river system whether it's your, you know, your grandpappy's, you know, farm pond that connects to a creek, there's a good chance that you might have a spring in there, and that give you a hot spot to, to go fish.
0: Nice. Is there is there much eelgrass in Chickamauga? Not now? a whole
1: lot, um, but it has it it has begun to happen. Like we never had eelgrass ever, and uh, it was actually uh, a couple local guys. I won't mention any names to get them in trouble or anything, but there was a couple guys brought some patches back from uh, Gunnersville, and it just like exploded in these little isolated areas where you had like, it was literally like a patch the size of like the hood of my truck. And then the next year it was like, you know, the size of the boat. And then now it's like we have whole grass lines of eelgrass in a couple of, I think about four isolated areas on the lake. It's very difficult to find, but if you know what you're looking for, you can find it. There's just a few little sweet spots, but <clears throat> the hydrilla is still the the king as far as uh, the grass and until the gizzard shad spawn if you can get on any of those little patches of eelgrass when the gizzard shad spawn
0: there's freaks that get around that stuff sure that's probably not it's probably gonna happen after they're done right that's a few weeks out yet yeah yeah that's
1: uh usually mid may yeah. um, into june is when you see the, the shad spawn you can you can kind of chase it up the lake too It'll start down south first. The best shad spawn, though, is the latest one that happens way upriver where you see John Cox fishing, you know, Mud Creek, Moon Slough, like above Richland Creek there. Yeah, Um, David Dudley
0: kind of got on that in that tournament. Yeah,
1: it's it's a really fun shad spawn bite because it's a lot of overhangs, a lot of bushes and stuff like that. And so you can, like, skip a frog around like if, you know – that's something I never got to experience before I found that shad spawn bite up there because we hardly ever have bushes actually growing in the water. It's one of the few isolated areas and when
0: the shad spawn in there. It's really fun skipping a frog and flipping in there. Nice. So do you think this is a power fishing moving bait tournament or a finesse tournament? or is it like I think a you're going to have a... to do both. Yep. I think
1: you're really going to have to be able to do both and, and bounce around. So the guy that can go in there and get out early and find you know schools of active fish or fish some of this main lake grass for the first time that I've ever seen it we we've, we've had main lake grass that made it through the drawdown and the winter out on some of these flats there and there's big fish in it right now I caught one last Thursday that was over eight pounds out there and a couple fours and some some really good fish overall and the guy that can get out there and catch those fish early in the day you know when the wind's up and stuff like that get that low light, take advantage of it, you know, throw a trap, throw a chatterbait or whatnot, that's his chance to catch a kicker. And it's going to get tough as the sun gets up because the current's going to probably not run until it's too late for them unless they have a really late weigh-in. So at that point, he's going to have to go back into a creek and finesse fish and try to fill out a limit. But that's the way I would do it because if you're finesse fishing this time of year, you're still fishing for a giant. And, you know, that would be my strategy. I'd go out there, hit that grass. When the sun is overhead, I would be swapping in those creeks in between throwing a big bait and throwing little bitty tiny stuff. Ned rig, shaky head. And you got just as good a chance on either one to catch a giant. But it's going to be somebody's – your well-rounded anglers are going to be the ones that really succeed in this. It's not going to be like one of these deals where it's like, yeah, I went out and ripped a trap all day for four days and caught him. That's not the deal here anymore. It's not
0: that. So don't, so don't for Aldi and throw a swim bait for four days and, and catch the You know, out.
1: literally, so the, the way things are shaping up, that big bait bite has really kind of turned on. If a guy could lock it in his hand and have the cojones to throw that thing, I think that he could get, you know, four, five, six bites a day. And if they're the right kind, who cares? Like, if, if everybody's, like, you know, running around trying to catch 15 pounds and you have two seven-pounders at the end of the day, who cares, right? Like, yeah. if you can get those big fish to swing, and they are right now, you know, that mag draft bite is on, the big glide bait bite is on, and it just popped off. So the fish are kind of susceptible to it right now. So in that
0: scenario, you could see where a guy could win and not have 20 fish. Yeah. Exactly bring in like sixteen fish over four days, but if you can yeah. get two big bites a day, right, like that yeah. is a, a way away. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Because if you have, you know, if you have an average of three fish a day and every fish that you catch is between seven and ten pounds or six and ten pounds, you're still right up there with everybody else. And if you have one day where you catch five, you might have thirty. But yeah. what's funny on our lake, dude, is I catch a lot of really small fish on big baits too. They're just, they're geared into eating big gizzard chad. I can't right. tell you the, the amount of times I've had, you know, a 14 inch bass train wreck, a depth 250, or, you know, like a, a eight inch mag draft, like literally little bitty ones. And some days, like I've gone out there this time of year, some days and had 20 bites on a mag draft and caught a ton of fish of all different sizes, you know, from literally not even a keeper all the way up to eight pounds.
0: Is it 15-inch or 14-inch minimum? 15-inch. 15, 15.
1: Yeah. But I would definitely, I mean, if, if if I was fishing that tournament, you would see on the deck of my boat, I'd have a lightweight Texas rig, a really finessey Texas rig, um, you know, eight-ounce uh, tungsten on it. I would have. A shaky head with a finesse worm on it, maybe a Nico rig mixed in with that. Um, I'm not a big Ned rig guy, but I mean heck, I, I picked one up for the first time in like two years the other day with a buddy of mine. He had it in his boat and I caught a five pounder on like my fifth cast. So I mean that that works. So you to literally me. you would
0: have one side with yeah. the dink and dunk. Exactly. And, then you and have I'd the other have one side, side with just like a, a giant shaft you know, and uh yeah.
1: Yeah, giant stuff, and then I'd have my my staples. You know, your mainstay spinner bait, chatter bait, and uh, and I would have my lipless on there. Um, another thing that could play is you know your small body cranking thing. You know your your Otte Ot Defoe crank or whatever, your Bandit three hundred, your Spro Rock Crawler. Those fish are transitioning into those areas, so if you get on those forty-five degree banks, you know there's a good chance that that bite could play as well on there. And and there's been some decent fish caught like that lately, but yeah, you're I'm gonna, seeing that trend yeah. of like the big bait thing could be. You good. got
0: those those May right spawning fish, yeah, they're still in the pre-pre right. They're they're yeah. late winter yeah. early pre-spawn, and then you've got yeah. the ones that everybody's excited about, which are the the late pre spawn going into spawn, but there's still plenty yeah. of fish that are like pre-pre, right? See, the the, the funny
1: thing about that though is a lot of those fish go ahead and commit to going shallow. Like these fish and, and they commit early on this this fishery. They've commit in February a lot of times, and they get up in four foot, and it can go down to 18 degrees for two days, and they will not budge from that four foot of water because they're they're waiting on it to go up, right? so so a lot of those fish that's what's fun about it is you get a lot of fish you know here in three or four weeks you'll be catching post-spawn fish and pre-spawn fish still really shallow and so that's why it's a really fun time you know i tell guys you know if you want to come to chickamauga and have fun april and may especially may is really fun because you can just go anywhere and throw plastics and you got you're going to be catching fish all day long we have a ton of fish and it really shows out then because everybody's shallow Those are the days that you can still go out and catch, you know, 50 fish or something like that. Now you're going to have a bunch of dinks mixed in with that. But then, you know, you look up at the end of the day, you caught 60 fish and you're like, oh, you know, you start doing the math. You're like, oh, I had 25 pounds. You know, how'd that happen? You just catch a good one here or there. Do you see much topwater? Do you see a popper, a frog? Yes, Uh, that's one thing. I didn't even mention that. But yeah, like that's already going off. I've been catching topwater fish for a minute now. Um, but I would really say the guy that can get out there with like a finessey buzz bait. I've got a local company that makes, um, they make custom lures and they make one specifically for me. It's a, you know, regular size hook and armature, but it's an eighth ounce. And it's got a small blade on it. That thing is absolutely deadly. Even in February, if the water tanks get up above 50 in February, I can usually catch fish on it. But, uh, one that's really going to show out is the guy like the Zaldane out there. That'll pull out a wake bait because, like, you pull out a slammer or, like, you know, some other kind of wake bait, maybe a tater hog or something like sure. that. Bro, you better hold on. You get your arm ripped off right now. As a, you know, when those fish get, and that's the thing, like, when I'm thinking about throwing a glide bait or a plastic, so if these fish are sitting in four foot of water, I would pick up that wake bait any day over the glide bait because think about that. So, like, if you get really shallow like that and you're throwing a glide bait, that fish has nowhere to really pin that bait. It's sitting in the middle of the water column. And so what you'll see a lot of times is that they'll follow it until they, you know, get all the way to the boat or they get to some kind of piece of something that they can feel like they can push that bait up against and ambush it. But if they're in four foot of water and the water temps near 60 degrees, pull out a wake bait because that fish is already ambushed at the, the bait. Fish is already on the surface. So he looks up at that big chunk of bait up there, and he's like, "Man, this guy's already, you know, committed suicide. He's sitting where he can't go anywhere, and that fish will come up and slam it." That's a good rule of thumb,
0: Jason. We all know that Ben's not going to get away with two kids this spring. He's not going anywhere. Yeah, no, I need to. have
1: I've been trying to get Ben and Nathan down here, Mr. Durds. I'm actually going up there second week of May. I'm heading up that way. Nice.
0: Can't wait. Talk about wide open.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: You're not going to catch any eight or tens, but.
1: I <laughs> uh, Heck fire. I'm going to go for it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, yeah. Carl's an interesting one, right? He, he loves the big baits. He's lived in that area for a while now. You're yep. going to see if he's like tempted and he gets, you know, what kind of tournament he'll have. I mean, I could see it going either way. I could see him having a beast of a tournament and i could see him you know that's the thing it's
1: like I, I think of me in that situation it's like i went out there on day one and i had like 30 pounds on the glide and then the next day they're off of it but how in the heck are you gonna put it down you know what i mean it's like yeah
0: So so you like throw mag drafts. you like? Yes, I do.
1: I do mod my mag drafts. Uh, So I've got like a little wire clip that I've designed for that. So I can kind of bypass the silly magnet on there that doesn't really hold the hook. Um, So I've got a way that I can kind of clip that hook on there a little bit better. I upgrade the hook. I usually throw an owner stinger two X. I like that hook a lot better for a mag draft. And then another thing that I'll do is I'll take and I'll cut around the gills. Down through there, you can kind of intuit where the gill is on a mag draft and then take some of that, uh, what do you call it, pipe cleaner, red pipe cleaner, yeah. make it look like gills. Yeah. And the key is where that matches up at the underside of the head of that mag draft, make yourself a little target. Put you a little bit of red dye, a little dot right there. That way that fish will come up and headshot that thing.
0: Now, this is... For illustration purposes, I don't know if you know, this is the 6-inch one, which you probably too yeah. small for you. I never uh, throw that one. I get way more bites from big fish and small fish on the 8-inch. The problem is we don't have 12-inch gizzard shads in Minnesota, exactly. so they don't quite commit to the 8-inchers the same way. Yeah, but What you're saying on a, on a bigger scale is yeah. basically right here, you'll carve that out with plastic yeah just in a little razor pipe knife. cleaner, right? You'll just yeah just a little super notch.
1: glue the pipe cleaner in there, and then right at the bottom, just above that hook hanger there, just put you a little red dot right there, sure, right on the upper side up there,
0: and then you've got kind of a bent wire clip that you'll pin the hook yes, in there I'll pin that in there. I don't use any kind of stinger thing. hooks um really, my
1: preferred when I'm talking about big soft plastic swim baits um the three sixteen rising sun top hook. Mm-hmm. Sure. Is my favorite. Again, because it, it scares me having a bottom hook on that thing. Now, how they eat the mag draft, if you swing, that, that's the biggest key. If you're if you're fishing a soft plastic uh, line through swim bait like that, don't reel down into that fish. When you're reeling along and you feel that bump swing as hard as you can right then. Because what'll happen if you don't swing, if you keep reeling like you do with like a zoom swimmer or a bastrix. That fish will have that thing choked so far down, she'll get it all in her gills. That's where that, you know, half the swim bait will be down her throat and the the actual treble hook will be in her gills, and that's that's a fish you're taking home, you know, which sucks when you're talking about, right. you know, trophy fish. So, as soon as I feel a bump, I swing, and nine times out of ten, if they're 14 inches or 10 pounds, I've got them hooked. Right. So, they decide to commit to that. They usually eat it really good, especially early like this. Nice. mono, fluoro? i throw it on fluorocarbon most of the time um now i will i, I do throw it on copolymer if i want to keep it up just a little bit more i don't like mono like there's there's certain right. copolymer yeah, 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 but yeah, that, right. that don't have as much stretch but are still neutrally buoyant yeah um but really for hang time i'm going to throw that 316 and that's the first uh soft plastic that i'll throw is a rising sun, eight inch. Um, They eat that in colder water than they will even a glide bait a lot of times. It just really, I mean, you can crawl it. It, It's kind of like, you know, the hair jigs that you guys throw up there where you Mm -hmm. can take that little hair jig, Maribu jig, and you throw it out there and whatever depth you let it sink to, when you start slowly reeling it, it stays at that depth. Yep. That 316 rising sun is really neat because it's just like that. You can throw it out there and start retrieving it. I mean, just as slow as you can crawl a five-point gear ratio, right? And it stays right there at like a foot and a half. And then you can let it sink another foot and slowly retrieve it. And it stays right there at that depth. That's one thing that you can't do with the mag draft. You can't get that hang time. So it's almost like in between a glide and a, a plastic bait. The rate of stall. Rate of stall, baby. That's big fish talk right there. You
0: ever throw the burrito at all? The book, the box.
1: A little bit. Um, It hasn't really like a lot of things. Like I'm a I'm a absolute nut when it comes to collecting tackle, but things have to show off to like make it into my arsenal. And that Mm -hmm. bait has just not. I've caught fish on it, but it has not just been a difference maker in a day for me. for For me to like get something in my lineup, it has to work on a day when nothing else is working. Right. If I can go catch fish on any swim bait I throw in the water and then that one custom one I spent $200 on actually catches a fish that day, it's like, who cares, you know, whatever. Yeah. If I can't catch them on anything and I take this $200 custom bait and I throw it out there and it's like they're crushing that thing, I'm like, okay, there's something to this and might have a place.
0: Have you ever you – know, there's a buddy of mine. Uh, have you ever played with a Dream Smasher swim bait? No, I have not. I've seen them though. I have not
1: got to I – haven't, I haven't laid my paws, my dirty mitts on that yet. Okay.
0: Yeah, they're upstairs. They, they look, look freaking good. Yeah, I got the weedless one here. But the, uh, the top ones are upstairs. Let us buy some more.
1: Sean, uh, Sean asked down there, a Marabee jig would be hilarious on Chickamauga with six-pound test. And, yeah, those things are awesome, dude. They're kind of like you know it's kind of like a burrito. Yeah,
0: and I was gonna say I was gonna pull up Sean's uh, because I think <coughs> if I'm not mistaken. You don't exactly do that, but don't you play around with the floating fly down there? I do that too. <laughs> I, do both. I just I keep it hush hush, but
1: I've caught I've caught big fish. I wouldn't say I've caught giants yet on Chickamauga on uh, a marabou jig, but I haven't caught small ones. Let's put it that way, and. Yeah. I've lost count of how many bags over 20 pounds I've caught on a float and fly year round. The clash nine absolutely plays on chick. Absolutely. But I'll tell you, so guys looking to get into glide bait fishing, one of the the craziest things that I've noticed in a, in a buddy of mine that kind of helped me get into uh, the glide bait thing, Mr. Chris Sumrall from Bass Attitude Fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, He'll take this thing. It's the Savage Gear. Um, what what do they call that? What Shine Glide. It's the crappiest, cheapest glide bait on the market. I think they're what like $17 for an eight-inch, something like that, $16. The worst casting bait you will ever put on the end of your rod, dude. I mean, just like tumbles end over end. And then like on one out of a hundred casts, it'll fly straight and you'll you'll throw it 30 foot into a tree because you're not used to it actually flying right. And that thing absolutely smashes. It is the probably the best glide bait in my arsenal when the water temp gets above about 65. It absolutely hammers them. It's an amazing cover glide and no one even talks about it. You know, other than that, you know, S Waver 200 has been a, a solid one. It's it's sure. it's a producer. That's a good one to throw. Um, I like throwing that depth 250. You don't get as many bites on it, but sure. a lot of times if you swing the bat and you can actually get one to hit it right, you got a good shot. But other than that, you know, like that Arashi glide, eh? You know, it's like I, I honestly, I would pick up a waiver before I'd pick up an Arashi. I really like the Sneaky Pete.
0: Okay, ever bought that one? That's it's a also great a bargain a bargain glide in the in the grand scheme great of things. Budget
1: glide, I mean, fantastic
0: budget glide. What about the uh, Bait Sanity antidote?
1: Not as big a fan of the Explorer or the antidote. Um, That's the thing with that. So really specific. Again, we're talking rate of stall. We're talking about hang time. I want a bait that I can, you know, change out hooks, do what I need to do in order to get that sink rate like this. You know, we're talking like a, a slow falling jerk bait, that same kind of deal. I mean, you want it to just, barely dropping that water column. And the reason why you want that is because it's that rate of stall. It's the ability to engage a follower, have that follower come and stay, you know, that follower that's way back that you would never be able to get to eat. If you have a a glide bait that sinks too fast, when you go to glide that thing out and stall it to try to get that fish, it's going to sink too fast and they'd know something's wrong. The bait fish doesn't just do that in the water column. Mm -hmm. So if you can get that glide bait where it hardly sinks at all, the power of it is, you can have that fish that's four foot down and four foot behind, right? That's the hardest fish to get to bite. When you glide that thing out, you can stall it and just keep the glide going. You feed your rod tip back, you feed the line back, feel that bait. And as it glides out to the side, that fish will start to slowly cover ground. If you can get that fish to get within a foot and a half below it and a foot and a half behind it, that's a good shot you might get a bite from that fish because the next time you turn it, he's going to start to match it. If they start doing this, if they start matching your glide, buddy, you got them hooked then. All you got to do is just make it erratic one time and install it right on their face. Cause they're following it, following it. And then it pushes out too fast. They go to chase it and then it just stalls and turns right into their face. And nine times out of 10, they'll bite it.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Carl, thanks for the reminder. So you get see you know when you start talking about the swim baits you get the guys that watch all the time but rarely comment but then yeah. they get excited and they want they want they want like a real yeah. niche answer. Uh, so do you, do you have a favorite custom or small like that's not up mass or do you you really like? I'm the, not a big fan of anything below seven inches
1: when it comes to a glide. Uh, to me, you kind of.
0: I think diminish. He small. I think he's saying small production, not small bait. Oh, small production bait. Yeah,
1: I, I like tater like, hogs. Okay. I like tater hogs. I'm not, that's probably one of my my bigger ones that I go to. Um, I've got a couple that they're not even like on the market kind of thing, so I wouldn't even mention it because like there's you can't get one. You know what I mean? It's like now I, I have laid hands on the Buka glide. Very nice. Very good glide bait. 316 makes a, the workhorse. It's way too expensive, but God almighty, it catches fish. That one catches fish really well. Have you have you tried the draw? The six inch draw? No, I've not. Um, I hadn't been able to get my hands on that one yet. I'm curious about it because I've watched a lot of Milliken's videos, and to, you know he's he's very knowledgeable as well. Sure. And the way he talks sure. about glide baits, I know he knows what he's doing. And I've seen him work that bait, and you know what he does to get it to move and everything. And it looks like it's very responsive. It's got. It's, it's a glide bait that you can do a lot of things with. It can be a cover glide or an open water glide. It, you can glide it tight and quick. And it's not washing out. And that's kind of like the sneaky peat deal. I'm wondering if it's similar to a G-Rat, just in the way it moves.
0: I like me. <laughs> <I'm> too, <laughs> yeah.
1: Hey, you know, no qualms on that. I, I believe it. There's days. But if you miss that, you know, one out of – 10 days a year that the glide bait is on then you could be a really sad dude you know that's the cool thing about a glide bait when when it actually kicks off and especially on like a highland reservoir um you'll get to interact with every big fish in that lake you can go on a a 15 acre lake you know highland reservoir type lake and go out there and if it's the right day high sun middle of the day then you're interacting with 30 of the biggest fish in that lake which to me is really fun. And I've had days on a glide bait. I've got a lake around here that I can go um, second week of April usually and, and have you know 50 follows and 20 commits on a glide bait, which is just unreal. To me, that's like the coolest thing in the world because it's like every other cast, i am got a wolf pack of fish on it and I'm interacting with them.
0: I feel like now it's like everybody wants like your – Chad Chad's awesome, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and Sean wants to know about the citizen citizen I hadn't played with. Okay.
1: No, I don't know about that one.
0: So talking back. So let's talk about some of the locals in this tournament and just kind of like, so we kind of touched on Carl, right? Yeah. So what do you know? You, what do you know about Carl's game? You think, so you, we kind of talked, sounds like you think it could be a lot of upside the way Carl likes to fish. Yeah. But it could also be a trap. Um, would you put Carl Jockamson on your fantasy team? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he, he's getting a lot
1: better on this lake. I know uh, some of the local guys he's fishing with and stuff like that, getting out and fun fishing and stuff. So, uh if he's hitting some of the stuff that I know that they hit and that I hit, uh, he could be he could be sitting pretty. Nice. Um, so, Buddy he, Gross,
0: obvious local. I think he's he yeah. has to be considered for any fantasy team um because I think that uh
1: I think that he will do well, but maybe not as well as you would think, because he's he's known around here as a really good offshore fisherman. Yeah. If the um, fish the go too is shallow, he's the way this hit, you know, if you would have right. put him here in February, he'd probably knock your lights out. If you put him here in June or right. late May, he'd probably knock your lights out. But it, that's the the great equalizer, right? Is like this late pre-spawn when all the fish go shallow. That's when you see a lot of these old heads and stuff that are just amazing, natural, shallow water fishermen that can actually do really well in these type tournaments. But then you combine that with a new thing. So say if this tournament would have been a week later, these guys that know how to use live scope now to catch, you know, bedfish that are unseen. It's a whole new dynamic like this. This
0: whole bass fishing game is changing a lot. And then, uh, and and here's another local that a lot of people don't know is F- Jacob Fouts. Right, he's a rookie. Oh, dude, uh,
1: freaking hammer son.
0: Yeah, and he he's got he uh, obviously probably not guiding this year, but up until this year was guiding. Yeah. Uh, for now, several he's years. guiding
1: on other lakes right now. So yeah, now still he's guiding on Watts and Bar. Him. And Nickajab, he's been right? hammering him on Watts Bar, but I know that kid, and I know him. What he produces this time of year. And this is probably one of the best times this tournament could have come here for him. You better watch out. You know, if he if if things work out the way they they have been the last few years for him during this time of year, he could be somebody to watch. I yeah, absolutely, Gary. I mean, I could see like if Jacob Faust won it by seven pounds, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I, he's one of the ones that I could see pushing past 80 pounds. Nice.
0: Yep, we just talked about that, Roger. Um, and then so you got two other guys that are not necessarily locals, but are pretty good. I mean, I guess Welcher is kinda local. He spent a yeah. lot of time on Chickamauga. Yeah. I fished uh, with him, I fished with him a couple times too. we we yeah, talked, I mean, this one of Viking his favorite Port. tournament lakes. He's fished a ton of ABAs yeah. and BFLs and opens yeah. and uh,
1: so the thing about Kyle, and and he is going to do well in this tournament as well, and that's because the kid is an absolute machine. You know, he grew up uh, fishing Alabama rivers and stuff like that, where it's just running and gunning, extremely accurate shallow water casts, skips, you know, like amazing accuracy, perfect entry, silent into the water anytime, and just covering a ton of water. That kid has one speed, and it's 10 on that trolling motor. And uh, he, he's somebody that could run into him every day because he covers the, the, enough water for three or four guys. And so he's he's one of the ones that could hit groups and, and really shine in this event too. I, I expect him to do well. Like I'd be really surprised if he doesn't do
0: top 20. Yeah, I I, I think I just the way I've seen him attack it, I would expect that he is going to literally run new water every day. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing.
1: The great thing about this time of year is it can happen anywhere every day so if if you're putting your your lure in front of that many shallow fish um through that you know in in different areas for four days there's a really good shot i mean he's this this tournament sets up really well for him
0: and then cox who has been for somebody yeah. that's nowhere near Chickamauga. Yeah, he's, he's just like,
1: like an Adonis or something like Thor. He's like, he's in a whole new level when it comes. He just like I swear that dude doesn't even fish here ever. He just rolls up and he's like, Oh, look, a tournament on Chickamauga. He's like, just go ahead and get my checkbook ready. He's like, Y'all can go ahead and cash that thing. This lake just sets up to his strengths. And, and he he's makes- found a few areas up river that that really set up to his strengths. And He's we're getting here early, but I think it's late enough that his stuff is going to play. So he's one of those that you know could very well be top ten potential. Lee Livesey, um, really good buddy with some of the locals around here. You know Scott Hog Farmer sponsors him. He gets uh, he fishes up this way. He's good with big baits. Lee Livesey is another guy you got to watch because the way that these guys, the way that you see guys fishing in Texas now. You know, it's really another, a lot of tough fisheries, a lot of big baits, a lot of uh, ledge fishing tactics year round where you see, you know, a lot of rods on somebody's deck. It's not that they're confused. It's that they're working through rotations on different schools of fish year round. They're rotating through baits to try to, you know, understand what that fish is doing. He's another guy that could really pop off. In so this they, guess they haven't he understands that just so, because like, I threw the three things I caught him in, this spot before i i can go ahead and try this you know another five tactics or pull an extra bonus fish out of a school
0: yeah good point by dad bod recent recent new father that's always a seems like a strong play on the elites here yeah yeah,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: any other anglers that you you kind of are excited about that you think we, sh- we shouldn't sleep on that you uh, know those are the, those are
1: kind of the top ones
0: you know it's like i get confused
1: nowadays because you know we got these multiple tours we got like the uh what do you call it, major league fishing and stuff going on. So, like, some of these pros are not going to be fishing this because they do major league fishing now. But those are some of the big names that really pop out to me as far as guys that that just sets up right for them. You know what I mean? Like, some of the guys that do well on this tournament historically when they're here later in the spring I think are going to struggle more. And you're going to see kind of guys come out of the woodwork. So, just – if I was putting together a fantasy team, I'd be looking at, you know, who are your strong shallow water fishermen? Who are the guys that are strong with and without electronics? And who are the guys that are very, you know, very well-rounded anglers as far as the guy that has, you know, the eight-foot swim bait rod over here and he also has the little, you know, six-foot-six finesse spin rod over here. The guy yeah. that can do everything can do well on this lake. Josh Douglas, again, good buddy of Chris Sumrell. He comes down here and fishes. The dude he
0: guided there for a season or two.
1: Yeah, he, he knows he knows his stuff. Josh could do really well in this tournament yeah. too. Josh will
0: probably have a big glide bait tied on. Gary said he saw Scott Martin was a popular pick. I mean, I could see Scott doing well, but I don't know that there's any. I mean, Scott's a tremendous angler, so I mean, it wouldn't Scott's surprise me anywhere. And and, and, and I don't know if there's anything specific. You know, about this lake that really lines up for him
1: um but there's nothing
0: historically
1: he has you know struggled here in the past but he's he's the kind of guy he's really good at networking he's really good at you know learning things in advance and stuff like that and he is a well-rounded angler i mean he's a guy that can catch him on a spotted bass fishery he can catch him flipping down in florida you know so i look to him to to do well i don't know if i would The like pick him to be in my top twenty and just know that he's going to crush him out here, but I don't think he's just going to fall on his face either. You know what I mean?
0: Like I think he's doing well in fantasy based on him having you know three hundred thousand YouTube subscribers and (laughs) yeah. I don't want to take
1: anything away. I mean, to me, I I wouldn't be
0: shocked if he did well, but I think that's why he's he's a a hammer.
1: You know, I mean, I could see him doing very well in his tournament and stuff, but I don't know. You know, it's one of those things that. He has struggled on the Tennessee River before, so I don't know.
0: Yeah, so Chris, yeah, Welcher is the overwhelming dominant for a reason in the uh, bucket. Yeah, e. Welcher and Fouts are two guys you're going to have to really watch out for in this I one. think one. Wel- I think Fouts is in E, I think. You could yeah. be wrong. Maybe not. Let's see here. But yeah, Fouts is in E. So Welcher's at 41%. Fouts is at 9%. Um, yeah, they better not get on bed because
1: freaking Welcher will catch him. He's a dang good bed fisherman. He hasn't got to to show it off yet as much on the Elite Series and stuff, but the kid can flat out
0: bed fish. He's good. Take a quick look here. So, uh Brock Mosley, you know Chatterbait. Yeah, He loves him a Chatterbait. I could see him. I mean, he's not from here, but at his style of fishing, if he can yeah. stay on the move and not. Get too bogged down on where he caught him yesterday, I think Brock could be a guy that catches them. Um, Fouts, we talked about uh, Atkins. This is a Tennessee River, right? I don't know how much this fish is like Pickwick, but you know that it, it does experience. fish.
1: You know Pickwick and uh, Chickamauga. Pickwick is a way better lake, by the way. Yeah. Now, nah, um, but I mean, its current state, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it's it's just overall
0: it has more fish, it has more places for the fish to be. I mean Menendez. I wouldn't, I mean, a guy understands Kentucky, Tennessee. I mean, if you're looking for a value pick that's like, I could definitely see Justin Atkins. Um, I could see
1: Iconelli, honestly. I could see him doing overall well in the tournament. Like, I could see him being like top 30 or something. Uh, he's, he's good at relocating fish that he's lost, you know,
0: and he's, as, and you talk about a guy that like, right. Throwing a, a Nico rig and then throwing yeah. a crankbait and then throw it right. Like yeah, he's, you yeah. will have yeah, 30 rods on the deck. He's got right? enough ADHD to get out there and do it. Uh, here's one guy we didn't really talk about. Uh, Robertson, Kentucky mm-hmm. guy. How much do you think that translate? Uh, like a Lake Kentucky to a Chickamauga?
1: Pretty similar. I mean, a lot of these Tennessee River lakes they fish somewhat similar. Uh, Chickamauga does fish weird though. I mean, it yeah. it has like such a variation on different stuff that's going on on that lake, and just and that's another thing that people have to realize is just the amount of pressure. Like this lake has had its teeth kicked in. So it's like you might have to, if you're a great chatterbait fisherman, you might have to do some modifications. You might have to get sneaky with your trailers, with your colors, with the right. blade size. This is the time to to break out the old experimentation cap and do something. Carl could be really good.
0: Uh, so you got Carl who basically lives right in the area. Uh, Kennedy, we talked about this is definitely like this time of year. A guy that, like, doesn't get too hung up on practice will throw yeah. a swim bait, will throw, a you know, a, a Senko, right? Yeah, like,
1: I would – somebody that fishes, you know, the moment, so to speak, you know, to coin that – the same phrase or whatever, but someone who uh, – I mean, honestly, a guy that got up here with one day of practice could do just as good as a guy that's practicing up here two weeks because yeah. it changes
0: so much. I mean, you're looking value. Josh Douglas used a guide here, and he's less than 1% in bucket like D. That's interesting, uh, but most people don't know that, right? Like the, the the you know the hardcore fans maybe know that, but you know yeah not, uh, yeah
1: Josh Josh has uh, a pretty good amount of experience down here, and I know who he's fished with down here and who his buddies are down here, and <laughs> yeah, he, he could he's gonna be around them. That's that's what I tell people when they go fishing with me down here. I'm like, I'll put you around them. We might catch them, we might not.
0: Pipkins is a guy that does seem to have really figured out that, like, he fishes fast. I feel like he could do well in this, too. Yeah, he's he did well in a Chickamauga open, which is a little bit later in the year. He seemed and he did, I mean, he's figured out that, like, starting to figure out that pre spawn, post spawn. You see him do well at like Fork, you've seen him done well at Pickwick, you've seen yeah. him do, do well at Chickamauga. He's like that yeah. offshore staging thing is kind of become a wheelhouse for him. Uh, anytime there's grass. You gotta think about Brian Schmidt. Yep. Um we talked I think about that's kind of the
1: that's kind of the deal is like for this lake for me from what I've seen the last few years is it's like the guy who can fail fast, right? The guy who can eliminate water mm-hmm. very quickly, but who keeps an open mind because that water that you eliminated today might be the best water in the world tomorrow. So it's like you have to constantly keep your head on a swivel. You have to constantly be on your toes. You got to be willing to experiment with your same techniques. Get your strengths. Get your confident baits, but then take that bait to the next level. Like what can you do to modify that bait? Because I guarantee you these fish, you know, if I go to one of my grass patches right now, how am I going to make my jackhammer different than the 38 other jackhammers they saw that hour. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like if I'm going to throw a bladed jig, I'm going to throw a, you know, a JDM, D blade, you know, something like that. Or One maybe the-, the guys
0: that have the new Berkeley chatter baits, yeah. whatever those are, yeah.
1: the slobber knocker or whatever
0: it's supposed yeah. to be.
1: Yeah. Change it up, change it up, change up colors, change up profiles. Um, get, thing- you know, the eight pounder I caught the other day was on a sneak bait that's new to the market. It's Picasso inline spinner swim jig. Yeah, and I I couldn't. I was throwing a chatterbait in that grass and some of my sneaky chatterbaits, and I kept getting bumped by fish. They were hitting it, but not loading up. And I swapped over to that inline spinner with a Kitek on the back of it. Caught an eight, caught a couple fours, caught you know a couple threes, and then pretty soon that's a freaking hammer bag for Chickamauga right now, you know. Nice. So yeah. it's like we got about- to
0: outside the box. Get out of your yeah. comfort zone. A guy that's just going to go fishing, swindle.
1: G man, yeah.
0: This hey, Palmer, good. And good Palmer shallow water. is a guy that, like, I don't know, he just seemed to figure it out these days, like, he's on the rise. So, um, Zal Dangerous down there, we we'll talked about Zal Dang at that big bite. Uh, yeah. one guy that kind of jumped out at me when I was looking at it was Prosnick, the guy they don't, you know, yeah. yeah, he water, is good, bait, wacky rig, like, yeah,
1: he's good on the Tennessee River, too,
0: yeah. Um, Clint Davis, Tennessee River guy, Alabama guy. Depends how much they're going to be offshore. Um, Yeah, that's the thing. It's like a lot of these guys that are normally
1: hammers, like post-spawn and late-spawn, that they might struggle more in this. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing, and most of these guys' waypoints ain't going to help them at all, which is probably good, honestly.
0: Lester. I think he could be sneaky good. Yeah, like, so many good options. Like this is going to be—I don't know—it's going to be a hard tournament to predict. Like when you see it in the end, I think you won't be surprised the guys that do well, but then mm-hmm. you'll look at the guys that don't do well and you'll be surprised that they didn't. If that makes sense, right? Like there's yeah, some that's, the that's funny. That you know, well, but some just, of them will stumble, right? Like yeah, the... The, just
1: from the prediction. So we just we mentioned four or five really good anglers that we thought would be potential top ten. I wouldn't be surprised if half of those guys are top 10 or top five and half of them don't even make 50 cut. You know what I mean? It's right. just like, that's the kind of, that's pre-spawn fishing right there. You know, it's like you can get out there and, and figure something out and then get locked into it and it just be
0: gone. Yeah. Walter's at 2%. That's uh, that's interesting. <laughs> No, Carl, you do not. You have until Wednesday night next week or early Thursday next week. It's the, you have until 6 a.m. Eastern on April 7th to get your picks in. So you got plenty of time. You know that because the Hellabass Fantasy Fishing preview video hasn't come out yet. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, that, this is a good point, Dave. But what we're saying is that early May Bass Fest June, like this is kind different. of a different bite right now. Like this is yeah,
1: completely different. None none of that stuff is going to help you right now. Fish are set up completely different. Water levels so, different.
0: Just a reminder for the people that came in late. We're going to do some kind of arsenal fishing giveaway. I got like I've got some sun gloves. I've got the wacky tool with the wacky shields, which. Senko is going to catch some fish this week or next week. on uh, Guaranteed. Uh, guaranteed. Stickmate. <laughs> and I stick also got, uh, on. one of the ninja scissors. I'm going to do a drawing in a little bit, and then basically the winner can pick what they want, and then we'll save some of the other stuff until later. Um, I do have some tackle I got in which I can open up in a little bit, just a little mini boxing. Um, But the other thing I want to talk about is, like, so we talked about – I think we beat Chickamauga dead. I think we got that pretty well previewed. Yeah. What else is going on by you? Like, where else are you fishing? What are the other lakes? I mean, I think we talked about Nick yeah, and Jack a so, bit and uh,
1: some, you know, Nick and Jack. I, I do a lot of Tennessee River fishing, so I really like Nick Jack. I really like Watts Bar. Nick Jack probably overall my favorite lake. Um, we have some sleeper lakes around here too that have monster largemouth. Uh, we got one, a few of them that are like Highland Reservoir type lakes. Um, when Chickamauga really starts to get beat up right now, I really love going to those lakes where you can get on that floating worm bite. You can get mm-hmm. on those spawning fish and stuff, the big bait bite and stuff. So, You'll see me a lot, you know, the next coming weeks traveling a little bit more. Another lake I really want to get back to is uh, Del Hollow and Pickwick. You know, those are two lakes that are kind of, I, I need to get back over those ways because Del Hollow is really pumping out good fish right now. It's just, you, it's, you, you can tell it's a really healthy fishery. It's like, yeah. you know, when I was going out there, I was averaging between, you know, 20 to 30 fish a day, and they were all good size fish and, and doing a lot of different techniques. To me, that kind of is the, the gauge for, like, a, a quality fishery is when I can go out, I can go shallow, I can go deep, I can fish grass, I can fish, you know, top water or whatever, and I'm catching solid fish, cranking or whatever, and doing whatever I want and a lot of them are above average, more like you guys see up north. You know, when you get up there, it's like you see a lot of three to five-pound fish, whereas, right. you know, some of our lakes over here, you start getting really top-heavy where it's tiny, 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 and then a giant, you know.
0: But, yeah, I think isn't there is not theres there a Toyota coming up on Dale Hollow right now?
1: I wouldn't doubt it. I'm kind of glad they had that slot limit up there, though, because I think it would get hammered by a lot more tournaments if they didn't have that slot limit. hmm um, but I think that's kind of kind of help them with their smallmouth population. But it's a sleeper lake with largemouth, dude. Like the first night I pulled in there last year, I rolled up and started throwing a buzzbait around some shallow pockets, and just I mean, got ate up by largemouth back there.
0: Nice. Do you ever get out to like Cherokee or anything like that? You know, Cherokee,
1: I've never been. I really like. Uh, I've been to Norris a few times. I really like that lake. It they call it the Dead Sea. It's a tough lake, super deep, clear. But you can do stuff that you don't normally get to do, like, you know, catch smallmouth on a freaking bullet head grub on four-pound test out of 60-foot water kind of deal. You know, so it's pretty interesting. There's, there's so many things. Within two hours of me, I can do pretty much anything that you can think of nice. as far as fishing goes, you know. Trophy class smallmouth and tiny rivers all the way to... You know, huge reservoir type lakes to Highland Reservoir type lakes to Tennessee River type stuff. I mean, you name it, you could do it around here. Nice. Yeah, the, there are some up towards Pigeon Forest, there's some wildfires going on right now. It, you can probably tell I can barely talk right now. I think it's all the smoke in the air combined with the pollen. Let's
0: see, uh, I guess one. So, Sean's going to be there in two weeks. <clears throat> He's going to be staring near Harrison and Chester. Does he need to go any further, As he just camp there and catch them? You know, you can camp and catch, but those fish are some of the
1: most pressured in the entire lake. What I would recommend that you do is run south, run past Pinky's Point, go down south towards the dam. A lot less pressure down there in every one of those marinas, and uh, there's several big marinas down there around the dam. They will be loaded with fish. Uh, One of the sleeper things around there, too, is big smallmouth spawn around the riprap, around those marinas and stuff. So you can go and throw a floating worm on that, and you might catch a smallmouth, you know, over seven pounds doing that. So Hmm. that's something to think about. We catch giant largemouth on glide baits and and bed fishing and all kinds of stuff down that way. But that's where I would slide down there, and then uh, I would – You know, for for the fun of it, what you should do is is fish down that way, fish south, and then uh, one day drive up to Dayton and fish all those backwaters up there. Give you a really great change of scenery, you know, fish bushes, fish reeds, reed heads and stuff, really shallow backwater. So you can kind of get the full experience that way. Get get your John Cox on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: Hope you're still listening, John, for that. (laughs) Uh, a random question. So, Cincinnati King, I don't know if you're still listening or not, but yeah, rod 703 Sierra soft tip. Good rod for top waters. Uh, for me, top waters, I'm a straight braid guy or straight braid with a very short mono leader. That's how I throw my top waters. Same. So, I'm always an advocate for that. Um, I rarely ever throw a straight mono slash copoly. About the only time I do that is like super shallow cranking, super shallow spinner baits, like where I, yeah. you know, like late, you know, that Square bite late, late in the year when you guys get where they're in like the backs of pockets and like six inches of water and you got to like just <laughs> keep yeah. that bait up. Like that's about- and, and I would say go
1: lighter with the braid than, you know, a lot of guys will throw like 40 pound braid for their top waters and stuff. And I'm like, dude, just throw like, literally I throw a 30 pound or 20 pound even. It's amazing how far you can bomb you know, top water and stuff. And then you can use that same rod to throw like a little popper and you just switch out the leader from, you know, a 14, 15 pound test, to 12 pound test, throw a little popper on it.
0: I use 40 pound for all. I I don't like the way the 20 pound digs in on my spool.
1: Yeah. I I, see. I, I, the way I spool my stuff on, I spool it on so freaking tight. I'd never have an issue with that, but I, that's the complaint I hear from guys most of the time. But when I can bomb that thing out there to like another County, I'm like, heck yeah.
0: And then you just eat it and you just
1: lean into them because there's no stretch in that braid. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You cast so much further that way. And on top of that, I'll tell you another kind of sleeper thing that people don't think about when you've got a big top water or, or whatever out at a really at the end of your cast when you swing, if you're using bigger line, you have a, a lower gear ratio, right? Because you're, you're further down into your spool. When you use that lighter line, you still have the same gear ratio so you can stay caught up with that fish.
0: So I think there is a, is it a Toyota today, Bo? I think at the, That's what it is. I thought no, Sean was up. still on good. <laughs> yeah. And Sean, I'm sure if you go uh, or anybody else, you go to Bass Quest on Instagram. Yeah, fly it into his DMs. I'm sure he wouldn't mind throwing you a couple bones when you get there down that week to give you kind of the absolutely.
1: Lead and somebody asked about what kind of ledge angle slope do I throw a floating fly on? I throw it on literally everything. Uh, to me, a floating fly is you're just crappie fishing at that point, right? You're just using a cork and a fly. Now, whether that's in four foot of water and schooling fish in the late summer or fall, just in the middle of a do nothing flat or whether that's 20 foot of water over standing timber or whether that's on a bluff wall or a Creek channel edge, or even floating. A lot of times I'll, I'll float the main river edge when the current is high in the winter time and all the fish are out on the main river edge. So you can do a floating fly pretty much anywhere. It, again, the power of a bait that is suspended and the fish is zoned in their face. You know, one, you can let current take that fly wherever it wants to take it. It's just like when you're fishing a really lightweight Ned rig. And then uh, two is is just the ability to set the depth. You always want to use a slip float so you can set the depth on that thing um, where you want to and just get out there and throw it. A lot of times I either throw, uh, I've got some local flies that some guys make for me, or I'll throw a crappie jig head with a zoom tiny fluke, an original Mm -hmm. fluke on there that's a very powerful bait especially later in the year in the summertime and stuff but it's extremely powerful you know it's just like a jerk bait it's like a super finesse jerk bait or soft plastic jerk bait right like it's you you put it in that fish's zone it can't leave and it's extremely powerful on getting fish everywhere i've ever gone you know i've taken it all the way from michigan down to florida to here and it smashes no matter what Most bass fishermen are too cool for a bobber, but I'll take it any day of the week.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so here's the day one results from uh, Dale Hollow. 21, almost 22 pounds to lead. See you, 20 pounds. so That's way better than Chickamauga. Yeah. Uh, A couple notables here. Laker Howell, Randy's kid. Uh, Derek Remitz, Minnesota guy, now Alabama. Jay Lee, 16 pounds. So yeah, they're catching them 15 pounds just to get in the hunt for a check. It looks like so uh, Justin asked about a slip float on the floating
1: fly. Yes. Use rocket bobbers. Um, it's, it looks like a stick float. It's plastic. You can cast them a mile and you can set it to either be a fixed float or a slip float. So it's really good either way. If the fish are shallow, I'll make it fixed. I'll wrap it around the line if they're deeper i can immediately turn that thing one click and have a i always keep a tied bobber stop you want it to be tied and then Mm -hmm. you want it to go to a bead and then to your float so you can tie that on there it stays nice and tight and i always when i'm running i use a longer spinning rod Um, i use a phoenix i think it's a seven seven medium light is what that rod is and so i can I can spool up small reel. I'll spool up maybe a 30 foot, um, fluorocarbon leader, anywhere from five to seven pound test, um, line, And then I'll, I can adjust that float. So sometimes I'll have that float adjusted all the way down to 20, 25 foot. Sometimes it's adjusted to two foot, hmm. but it, it's something that you can always have on your deck, and you can use it in pretty much any situation, especially if fish are, um, you know, big fish, territorial fish are on one spot, you know, one area, or if you're current located fish, because if you think about it, if you're throwing something into a current, it's penduluming yep. back to you. The power of that floating fly is like, say there's some barge ties going down the river right here. I can throw that floating fly right up against those barge ties and just open my bail up and let the current take it in and out of all those eddies all the way down through there. You can't do that with any other bait that I know of. Right without getting your boat straight over top of it. So it's an extremely powerful presentation that nobody utilizes. I mean, I've won – I don't even fish tournaments, but I, last year I won, like, a, t- a ton of little local derbies on the weekends going out, and, and it was all on a floating fly. It was right. just super tough out there, and I could catch 16 to 18 pounds, and I blew pretty much everybody out of the water late in the year on that.
0: Do you, do you have a live scope, or do you not do that, nope. or are you – I was Just thinking, like, I wonder if live scope and float and fly together, like, <laughs> well, it, it's
1: amazing. What Ben and I got to do it up in Michigan, it was like
0: the juice. <laughs> yeah, no docks. that sounds awful, Bo. Um, yeah, there's some people that prefer mono to me. Once I adjusted my rod and I hook set, I, I my top water, yeah, just go down a
1: power, that's all you got to do. But it's and then it's you just kind of just
0: lean into them and the, 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 to me the big thing is one at a certain point on such a long cast you will miss fish on mono because of too much stretch or co-poly or whatever yeah, I think. absolutely and then when they do hit it you have to set hard or you won't yeah. hook into them and if they yeah. don't it's like yeah and then like you pull it 20 feet away from them whereas like when you lean into with braid if they don't get it it moves like two feet Yep. And then it floats back up, and either that one or another one just comes up and pile drives it even harder. Exactly, then you actually it
1: gives you off. more opportunities. Yeah, and one thing too, it doesn't wear out. You know, you can have that braid on there for castability,
0: right? You can cast further. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of upside. There's, I think there's
1: too many benefits for it not to just be the way you do it. <laughs>
0: um. But and again, if it works for you, don't change it. <laughs> but i'm yeah. just telling you why like why i like yeah. it and why it works for me but i will never i would say if you doesn't matter what we're talking about whether we're talking about this scenario or anything else if it works for you don't change it yeah. but if you're running into issues then you know listen to uh uh maybe some of these um yeah i wish i keep telling Streamyard they need to fix this so the emojis come up but the juice box emojis <laughs> are in the in the uh, in the youtube chat <laughs> Well, dude, I'm gonna have to pop off here pretty soon. That's cool. I get my butt to bed. That's awesome. I appreciate your time. Uh, it's been good. I got a few things that we can cover up here. Uh, yeah, so yeah, that's I awesome. We, I didn't I I, I usually try to ask like when you guys got to go, but uh, you've given us plenty to chew on. Uh, yeah. and we'll probably wrap things up here. And I appreciate your time. Uh, Caleb does have a YouTube channel, it doesn't have a lot of current recent drops yeah i, mean, I have a lot of out, videos from this time frame but yeah, yeah you look in at that area so you can learn a lot about the lakes down in his area and these techniques and things like that and it's got some really good stuff out there uh, as well as his instagram so check out bass quest any of those places look him up um and thanks for joining us today caleb
1: all right thank you very much
0: all right take it easy bud you have a good one see it thank you All right. So, yeah, that was awesome. We got a couple more things we can cover tonight. Uh, Tim, thank you. I appreciate the support. Uh, I'm glad that code helped you out, which does remind me I do have something I bought from Omnia that I could open up. But today is the last day to use the March code that's down here HBMR15. And uh, new code starting tomorrow. But the one thing that's going to change is that. My codes will be once per month only. You'll only be using them once per month. Um, so if you're thinking about getting some stuff and you want to get some stuff yet tonight, and then you can use the new code starting in April. But I know my code, I think, is working multiple times per month, but now it's going to go to once a month. They just want to encourage people to get uh, slightly larger orders less often so they don't give away much on their free shipping. But um, so we're going to do a little bit of box opening. we still got to give away this, this Arsenal stuff. So if you want to stick around... Uh, There's still like 70 on. We're going to give away some stuff. Um, So, oh, and Dennis, I did see your question earlier. I did want to get to that about Michigan. Uh, Yeah. So Michigan, Minnesota, we're, we're about the same. And you're asking why are bass so much bigger in the South? It really is growing season. So uh, when we get that ice cap on our lakes, fish kind of like they eat just to maintain, they don't really grow in the winter. So Bass down South can grow literally 12 months a year and our bass up here in Michigan and Minnesota really only grow, you know, six to eight months a year. So that's the reason they don't get nearly as big. Um, that and the genetics of the fish are a little different down South. There's some Florida strain the further you get down South and they have the propensity to grow bigger. Um, whereas a Northern Australian bass, really it's hard for them to get much bigger than like 10 pounds, 11 pounds, uh, you know, whereas a Florida strain bass can get, you know, 10, 12, 15 plus pounds bigger. So that's the main difference. Hopefully that answers your question, Dennis. Uh, oh, oh, oh. New code is not 40% off. <laughs> yeah, tomorrow. So remember, uh, this is a good point from John, uh, Critical Gravy, is you're probably going to see some things on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, that are going to be like, oh my god, that's too good to be true, or that's too crazy. Remember, tomorrow is April 1st, people. Um, yeah, that's awesome, David. That's cool. Uh, the SLX XT is still worth it. Absolutely. Um, I got one. What's the other SLX? Where's the XT? Did I put it back in my rod? I think I put it back in my rod. I got two of them on rods. I got one of on my chatterbait rod right there and the other one is on my jig rod i got two SLXXTs. uh ooh. ha that's that's funny carl i'm sure that uh makes for some some funny commentary uh in in the family if your brother is an april first baby um all right so let's uh Let's get the code. Let's get the drawing going, and I'll do a box opening while we got that going. How's that sound? Uh, Streamyard giveaway tool. Where are you? I think I've been prepared? Got this ready. Um. What do we want to? Uh, I guess we'll just do hashtag personal. Get that up here. Share a screen. There you go. You can get in. No joke, Rich G. It's a real thing. Yes. Arsenal. Looks like you're the first one in, Chris. So roll those in. Hashtag Arsenal. I'm going to take a peek. What? I don't even remember it's been so long since I ordered this. I all got something from... Uh, Subscriber Tom Mix, he sent me something. Uh, So that was awesome. So if you guys got stuff that you want me to open on stream or check out, you can always send me something. Um, We're going to go back to full screen here while you guys get your entries in. Uh, Remember, you will be choosing between the Arsenal Wacky Tool with bands for Wacky and Nico rigging, Uh, a pair of sun gloves, which I used all of last year, which are really sweet, And then a a Ninja Scissors, which is a really sharp scissors, cutting, fishing line, braid, things like that. But it's got a nice little retractable lanyard to hook to a tackle box, a tackle bag, your merce, your satchel, your fanny pack, whatever you want to do. So what did I order from Omnia? I don't remember. It's been a while. Arsenal? Question mark? Like, I am Ron Burgundy? All right. Thank you for the order. Something I don't know what that is. Enjoy. Can't quite make out what that name is, but that's the note. All right. What did we get? I got. The, oh, I picked up this uh, new color. To me, anyways. Jackal rearranged jerk bait. It is called Chartreuse. Back Pearl. Looks pretty good. This, like, what's up, Uncle Marty? Uh, I thought this looked like it would be a really good smally jerkbait color. It's kind of got a little bit of horizontal kind of translucent orange belly starche's back, either like dirty water, spring largemouth, or any time for smallies. What do you guys think? Is that a good-looking jerkbait? And then that weight transfer is like nuts in the jackal. So they had some of these. They didn't have a lot in stock, but that color looked really good. So grab that jackal uh, jerkbait. Re-range. That's what I was thinking. So we got two of those. Another one. And then I grabbed some of these. The uh, three-inch boss scrub which is basically berkeley's answer to the menace scrub um thinking that would be a good option for swim jigs jig trailers little finesse head i don't know want to try this out see how it stacks up against the menace scrub now this is the three inch i think i'm going to want to get some of the four inch because these are kind of dainty looking um we're kind of excited to try these so that uh, wasn't a big order. It was just something because of premium membership, you don't have to pay shipping. So grab that stuff. Uh, I'm not sure, Tom. Um, yeah, I think so, too. I agree, Chris. Um, all right, 35 people in here, about half of you in. So I'm going to open this up from Tom Mix, who's in the chat. Sent me a little something, something. Use the Arsenal Battle Braid Scissors to peek into this envelope. Yeah, this is uh, exactly what I was thinking. These are the same packages that I used to get them in, Tom. These hydro Silk skirts, which we were... I believe we were talking about this on the Jig Squad stream a couple weeks ago. And Tom was like, oh, I asked a question about Silk," And Tom's like, I had some. Um, it's called... Custom color, Crayola Brown Black Flake. And uh, it's a, a really interesting, it's it's kind of like a combination of round rubber and silicone. It's very springy. It's a silicone that acts kind of like a round rubber, I guess is the best way to explain it. And uh, this is like a really muted brown color. But they used to, this is the... The skirts that used to come on the really old school first gen true tungsten jigs. And uh, they've got a really unique action in the water. And they've got some really unique colors. They have some muted colors like this that are kind of matte that are really cool. And uh, so thanks, Tom. I will definitely probably take these and tie up some custom Bass Tech jigs with these colors. Uh, this will make uh, a pretty good little LBJ, little brown jig, I think. Um, pretty excited about that. A little tinsel could be good. They do really pulse well in the water. Um, I don't think... Is my jig box here? I feel like I tied some up. I did sell one of these CI-4s. I still have one left. This needs to ship out tomorrow. So if somebody's looking for a CI-4 Cronark, I have one that I'm selling. Just let me know on the old uh, IG or something. But I think I tied up a hydra Let me check. I don't know if I broke it off or not. I tied some up for the, uh, the uh, my trip to Louisiana. I just need to look to see if I have any that I didn't bust off. Mm, it's not looking good for the home team here. Not seeing it. Those might be in the bottom of the Watchung River. I don't see it. Rip. right, So good story, Rich. Label might give you a hint, like this label. See, I I order. I remember it's. I think the company was called Hydro Silk, but I'm not sure. Um, but I don't think they're no longer in production. Heading to Table Rock in 17 days. Any hot baits I should pick up? There are more Attack of Lunatic Worlds than not, Gary. Um, Table Rock 17 days will put you in the middle of April. I would think that should be your typical, like, wiggle wart, rock crawler, jerk baits. A-rigs, if you're allowed to throw them. I don't know if you're going for fun. Little finesse jigs like this. Those would be the kind of things that I would really focus on at uh, Table Rock in a few weeks. I mean, honestly, uh, ball head, little football jigs, jerk baits, uh, rock haul or wiggle wart style um, jigs. and uh, Actually, this is a Kind of clumped up, but this is a hydro silk skirt. <laughs> uh, this is one of my old favorite colors right here. This, uh, that color right there. This is hydro silk. It's a little matted up in my jig box, but that is that material. Yeah, hydrosilk did come on Picasso jigs. Um, that is true. I wonder if I have any ex- any. I know in my. Skirt making boxes. I've got some hydro silk. I don't know if I have any in this jig box. I don't think I do. Thinking full spawn. I think it's going to be a little early for two weeks. Because the spawn is just starting in like Tennessee right now. And uh, so I would say maybe you're getting the early spawn in two weeks in the Ozarks. But I don't know if it'll be full on spawn. But I could be wrong. Um... What's up, Roger? Good to see you, buddy. Yeah, they do look like they're a touch brittle. I'll probably end up, um, like I did on this jig that I showed you, that was a little clumpy. I'll probably um, replace it with wires. Like this one, you can see he's got a uh, use some purple wire tie, and that's probably what it'll get replaced with. There you go, Tim. Well, thank you, Tom. Appreciate that. Let me get these back in the packages before we forget. So I think my fantasy fishing video will probably come out this weekend for those waiting for that. So 37 people uh, are in the stream, in the drawing. So only about half of you would like to win anything. Let's uh. So we have uh. And I will give away some these little. I got some decals too, so somebody can get an Arsenal decal with whatever they win. If somebody wants, I'll throw in the uh, the top of an Omni hat from the customizer along with your package. Um. But uh, and if you see something here that you really want and you don't win tonight, you can use code HellaBass15 at Arsenal Fishing to grab these. Uh. So we got. Sun gloves and probably I think so we'll probably do whatever doesn't give away this week. We'll probably do another one next week. And then we'll probably also give something away in a members only stream as well. So we got the wacky toolkit and the uh, ninja scissors stickers. All right, let's start. Can we get to 40 before we draw? Can we get two more people to get into the drawing before we hit the button? 39. Roger. Come on now. What else was on my list here? I think we covered everything. All right. 44. Whoa. Now we overdid it. We we can't do the drawing now because we went over the mark. No, we're just kidding. Uh, we have rusty crayfish up here in Vermilion, and they are an invasive. They eat all the grass uh, up here. All right, we're at 45. Now 40. Yeah. What's up, Joe Fleasick? All right, we're going to hit the draw button. Cross your fingers. Do your dance. As the names flash on the screen. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Who's it going to be? Oh, Oh, Eric Storms. What are you doing? Caro. Is a win. Carl, when do you not win on live streams? I feel like I've seen you win on Mr. Bass. I've seen you win on Gramps' channel. I think you may have won here before. I don't know. When do you not win, Carl? Yeah, I don't think it's Yeah, who knows? It would be good to see some uh some big bags uh in Chickamauga show up, but um So what do you want, Carl? I have uh, let's see what sizes these are. I thought it said the size of the gloves on here. We have sun gloves. I feel like I grabbed the large size. I think these are large. Uh, or you can go with the wacky band. If you like your Senkos and wacky rigs, this is a great choice, Carl, or anybody and everybody can always use a good pair of scissors for tying knots, trimming things and things like that. What's it going to be, Carl? Let us know in the chat what you're going to select. And then obviously because you get an Arsenal sticker and then, uh, for sure, I'm sending you the uh, the top of this Omnia hat, too. So that's coming, for sure. Did I just drop? All right. Bum, bum, bum. Wacky Tool, please. There you go. So, Carl is electing for Wacky Tool, the bands. She's going to get an Arsenal sticker, whether she likes it or not. And she's going to get the other part. Of a bass visor in the package as well. So, Carl, uh, email or DM me on Instagram or something like that, so that I have your address, so that you can get it. Yeah, yeah. Tom, no lagging. That's no good. Very solid. You could you, really could you have gone wrong? There was no bad pick. It was it was all good. Um, and thanks again to Arsenal uh, for supplying those goods. Uh, for the giveaway and if you saw something you need to have and you can't wait till you win it use the code down below uh, it helps out the channel um yeah yeah it's no good rusty crayfish are no good now they and the, the bass don't seem to like to eat them as much they will eat them but they're not their preferred crayfish forage from what I can understand all right, and last call for questions tonight. Anything anybody wants um, answered tonight? We can answer a few more questions. Otherwise, we'll wrap this thing up right at just under two hours. Yes, it is a Hella Yamaka custom for Carl. <laughs> I don't know would that de- would that would increase the value or decrease it? I don't know if she wants me to sign the Hella Yamaka. She probably doesn't even really want it, but she's getting it anyways. What color rock crawler wiggle warts? I think anything, uh, kind of that spring craw, brown craw, craw patterns, I guess, natural craws. Have some brighter craws in case the water's a little off color and some more natural craws if you got some really clean water. Um, they have a lot of craw patterns. Um, there you go. Um good thinking Chris. Fingerless gloves what Was I gonna see? Yeah, my uh fantasy video should be out Saturday and the the article will probably be up Monday on Bassmaster. Yeah, I thought Caleb uh was good. I've seen him on uh the Red Stream. I've seen him on Serious Angler Stream. Uh I knew he knew his stuff, and I thought he would be good. What's up, Gabe? Checking in from Table Rock. When all else fails, what color swim jig are you throwing? It really depends on where I'm at and what time of year. On a lake, a natural lake in Minnesota, when all else fails, I'm probably, if it's not too dirty water, it's probably going to be like a green pumpkin bluegill color swim bait. If I'm on the river, it'll either be a white or a black and blue, um, depending on the time of year. Good suggestion for a fluke rod. Um, are you Texas rigging the flute? Are you nose rigging the fluke? Are we talking fluke juniors, regular flukes, super flukes? Uh, are you talking more spinning rod, more bait casting rod? Need a little more information on your fluke or what kind of fluking you like to do? Are we Are talking small mouth, large mouth, in the grass, open water? Uh, the standard size bands. So it really goes by um, you want the seven millimeter for like standard Senko five inch stick worms. And then you want to go up or down. If you like to throw magnum, like you know, six, seven inch senkos, you're gonna to want to go up to eight millimeter. And then if you like doing more like finesse worms, then you're gonna drop down to like five or six millimeter bands. Ah, well, thanks for your service, buddy. Um, glad to entertain. Favorite shallow crank. It's uh, a good one. Probably the one that I've had one of the most success on that I is the, uh, the EMA square bill. IMA square bill. I don't know if I have my square bill box anywhere near here to show that. Maybe there's one in this one. Ugh. Let me see. Yeah, There's one right there. Got all kinds of chewed on, but this little guy right here, this Ima Square Bill, I think they just call it the Ima Square Bill, and they're kind of like sexy shad. Caught a lot of fish. See, the hooks are all torn up, all kinds of rash, all kinds of chew marks. But it's got a circuit bill lip. It's one that Bill Lowen uses. I think he helped un, uh, design it. But that Square Bill right there has been one of my best producers. It's not a real deep dri- diver. Uh, it's a shallow, um, but that has been one of my best square bill shallow cranks. I have not locked in my roster yet. 733 would be a good fluke rod for sure. Yeah, I would go with a three power casting rod, maybe even a four power, uh, seven foot three, something like that. Yeah, Dobbins, or six. yeah. I, I'm not a huge swimbait guy, but the Tranks is a super popular Swimbit reel. Another one that's pretty popular is the Daiwa Alexa 300. So any of those in the 300 size are pretty good. Topwater, I like 40-pound braid, and then I usually do like a short – 15, 17, 20 pound, depending on the size of the topwater, mono leader about that long, like 8 to 12 inches. I caught a few fish on the black label balsas down in um, Louisiana. But for whatever reason, I didn't get on a really good bell bite. They didn't get beat up too bad. I caught a few fish on them, but nothing, nothing to wear the paint off them um they looked good they fished really good they came through cover really good but i never just got on a great crankbait bite down there and i just bought them late last year do they still make them tim they discontinue them is that why they're cheap or they just on clearance i'm not sure but they're a good bait a 703 is a good fluke i would yeah 703 733 anything in there thank you sycamore the gloves are nice. I used mine all last year. Um, they're great in the sun to keep you protected, but they're also good on those chilly mornings just to give you a little bit of warmth, but you can still fish in them. Yeah. So I would, uh, go to Tim. <laughs> he throws a lot more swim baits than I do. Um, they're a little smaller than the 1.5. I don't know if I have a 1.5 handy to show, but they're a touch smaller than a 1.5. I would say uh, probably closer to 1.0 would be the EMA square bill. If you're talking about it in like the the Strike King standard 1.5, it's just a touch smaller. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. EMA shaker is a good flat side too. I've I've done well on those as well. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, we are just over 2 hours. We covered a ton of ground. Caleb was a good gift. We did a little bit of Small opening. We gave away some stuff. We previewed Chickamauga. We'll have... Uh, yeah, the Sixth Sense flat 75 is nothing to sleep on. That is a good bait for sure, Darius. Um, but this will be out on podcast. If you came in late, you can catch the replay on Facebook or YouTube. I think it was out on Twitch. Then. I don't know if anybody watched it on there, but I did put it up there. Um, Joel Jay was on. Jay Shakur was on the stream. It was before the st john's like mm, i don't know january but it, he was but the way he's catching him we need to have him on again but he was a good guest we had a good time with jay uh, so you can go back and catch that replay um in the archives on youtube uh, anytime you want or listen to it on uh, the podcast forum if you search hello bass in your favorite podcast app uh my early pick for my, my, uh, what did I say? My early season pick was Walters. Um, right now, was it Cox Mullins are at the top, but I think Paul, Nick's right in there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I gotta, I guess I'll have to look at that. I don't remember who's what's, uh, i am trying to pull up the leader. Uh, who's doing, let's see, AOI standings. But you can still go back and watch it, Joe. That's the beauty of the replay gang. So it's Cox, Mullins, Blaylock, Polnick. Boy, you know, Polnick sitting good now, and he's still got the northern swing. I mean, a while he's going to fit him well. St. Lawrence, I mean, he could be really tough. The Johnson's up. Corey Johnson's up there. There's a lot of guys. Uh, Yeah, if I had to pick somebody, I would say Polanik and Corey Johnson would be the two guys to watch at this point. And then Patrick Walters, lurking back there in eleventh, I wouldn't sleep on him either. Thank you, Rich G. Dustin finally got out of work just as we're wrapping things up. (laughs) Thanks for chiming in. Uh, But uh, yeah, we're going to wrap things up. So thanks everybody for watching. Appreciate it. We should be back to our regular stream next Wednesday. I don't have a guest lined up, but I will get something cooked up as that'll be the Eve, I believe before the Chickamauga event. And then we will uh, have some videos out next week as well. Uh, Maybe a boat video next week or the week after. In the mix is anybody curious about boat progress? Might throw that video up. Um yeah. if you do get one, Dax, don't you know you can always get an Omni and use the code, save yourself 15. Uh but yeah, so thanks everybody. As always, here to help you guys catch more big bass and suck less.